0: Um, I feel like I need to introduce myself as well. My name's Jeff, I work here. Uh, it's been a while since I've been up here. Uh, this is, I think I had five weeks off, and so um, I. some of you have actually asked, like, is everything okay? Like, why were you gone so long? Well, I was on um, what's called a sabbatical. And so a sabbatical is, uh, if you're not familiar with that term, it's really just kind of an extended time of rest to be refreshed. And so uh, Grace Church actually Makes, they force um, us to take a sabbatical. So once you've been here uh, five to seven years, somewhere in that window, they want you to uh, take a month and just kind of break away and disconnect and uh, be refreshed and kind of clear your mind and and that sort of thing. And so um, that's what I've been doing for the last month. Um, It's interesting, like a lot of times people don't, like when you think of what does a pastor do. Um, maybe what comes to mind is, well, they, they teach on the weekends, and then they probably spend all the rest of their time in prayer. Like, that's what pastors do. I don't know. Um, but actually, pastors, um, it's, it's, it's actually a very high-stress job. And so I was, one of the um, other churches, a friend of mine that leads a church, their church does sabbaticals as well. And uh, they put together some statistics that I thought were really interesting. Um, I'll just read some of these to you. So Uh, 80% of pastors believe that ministry negatively affects their family. 80% of pastors believe that ministry negatively affects their family. 70% of pastors don't have someone that they would consider a close friend. 70, that's a high number. How about this? 45%, almost half, say that they've experienced depression and burnout. Burnout. That's a lot. 75% of pastors report severe stress causing anguish, worry, bewilderment, anger, and fear. And this last one um, is is mind-boggling to me. It's staggering to me. 1,500 pastors a month leave the ministry. 1,500, like that is is incredible. And so Grace Church wants to be kind of proactive with that. For the record, I'm not like at this point or anything like that. Um, but they wanted us to, to break away, and so they, they actually shut down our email and uh, shut off my Facebook and, um, and just kind of spent some time being refreshed, kind of as a safeguard to, to try to keep us healthy. So, um, so we did that. Um, we went down the first week. We, uh, my kids got out on Thursday, I think it was Thursday, May 30th, right? That was the last day of school. The next day, Friday morning at like four in the morning, we were on the road headed down south. Uh, So I went for a few days down to North Carolina to see some friends. And then from there, we continued on down to Florida and we spent some time in Florida. Oh, we didn't pull the TV out. Um, This is a picture of us down there. My daughter does have a face. I think my son took the family selfie on that. Either his arms weren't long enough or he just didn't think his sister needed to be in the picture. I don't know. But anyway, so um, we went down. So we're kind of away for the first couple weeks and then we came back. And uh, just kind of did a bunch of stuff around the house, you know, all the all the stuff that you put off, like when you're busy, you put it off, and you're like, I don't have time for this. We caught up on all of those things, so so that was really nice. And when you when you break away like that, I don't know if you've had a chance to do that. I've never been away that long, um, but when you break away like that, you have more time, you know, to kind of slow down a little bit and reflect and uh, and pray more and and just listen to the Lord. And so um, during that time, I felt like God was just kind of rubbing some things into my heart that I needed to hear, you know, that that maybe I needed to be reminded, probably most of them were reminded of, Um, And so I wanted to take some time. Originally, when I came back, we were going to start a new series. I bumped it back a week. We're going to start that series next week. It's called Happy. Um, It's on the Beatitudes. I'll actually tell you a little bit more about that toward the end. But I bumped it back a week because I wanted to take a week and just kind of um, catch you up on what God's been teaching me during this time. And so um, hopefully some of the stuff that I share um, is also stuff that would be helpful for you guys as well as you kind of function through life, live through life, so um, I'll warn you, like, it's a little disjointed, you know, so it's like kind of a bunch of random things, so this is a, a little different sermon than what we would normally do, like, like I say next week we'll dig into some passages of scripture, but um, I wanted to share with you a little bit about some of the things that I feel like God's been teaching me. Um, here's the first one, ready? This is the obvious one, maybe the most obvious. Um, first thing I learned in my time off, rest is good. Rest is good, and you're reading. You're like, duh, you know. Like, I realize rest is good. Um, the last sermon that I preached before my sabbatical was on rest, and that was intentional. And we just kind of <laughs> opened up the Bible and we talked about. But the, God actually has a lot to say to us about taking regular times of rest. And so we dug into that, kind of one of the big passages we looked at, like one of the Ten Commandments, probably most of us have heard of the Ten Commandments, is all about rest, about taking regular rest. So in Exodus 20, 9 and 10, it says, Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath. Sabbath is, is all about rest. It's a rest to the Lord your God. And so the reason God commanded, like uh, we, we could look at rest maybe in a couple different ways. We could look at it as a hindrance, you know? And it's like, man, if I take rest, if I take a day off, it's gonna make all the other times more busy. You know, it's just really an inconvenience for me. But the reason God commanded rest is because it's good for us, right? This is like the stuff I'm, re- as obvious as it is, I'm wrestling with as I'm away. Like, this is really good. It's good for me physically, it's good for me mentally, right? It's good for me relationally. You know, sometimes when we're busy, 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 going, 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 some of our closest relationships we can neglect a little bit. So it's good for me relationally. And of course, it's good for me spiritually as well. And sometimes when you're running really hard in life, you don't even realize how much you need a break, you know? And so as, as we're going in the, in the sabbatical, um, it was like, wow, I didn't realize how much I needed this. You know? I didn't realize how much I needed rest. And that was the first thing that I pulled from it is, man, rest is really good. And as I say that, maybe I would challenge you, again, the way I did um, the last time I preached, are you taking the rest that God desires you to take? You know? Are you taking the time off, the break, trusting, there's faith with that, right? Like I trust if I distance myself and I take, and I'm obedient to God and I take rest, that he's gonna provide what I need for the rest of the time. Are you taking that kind of rest in your life? So that's the first thing that I learned during my sabbatical. Here's the second thing. Uh, And I knew this. I knew this. But um, I think I forgot. I was reminded of it. Here it is. It doesn't all depend on me. It doesn't all depend on me. If I could be honest with you, leading up to my sabbatical and the first part of when I was gone, I was like anxious that, like, I hope something doesn't go wrong, you know? (laughs) Like, I... Maybe worry is the right word. I was worried that something was going to go wrong. You know, like I love what God is doing here. I love what God is building, what He's creating. I love being a part of it. If I'm gone, you know, is something bad going to happen? You know, are things going to like go to kaput? Here's what I learned coming back at some point within the sabbatical toward the tail end and coming back. Here's what I learned. Here's what I observed. Here's the first thing there were weddings during my sabbatical. In fact, last weekend, our own Tyler Jensen, our Power Kids coordinator, and Maddie got married. They'll be back this coming week. They're on their hun- finishing up their honeymoon right now. But there were weddings. I didn't do the wedding. I went to his wedding, but I didn't do the wedding. There were funerals during my sabbatical. There were surgeries, sicknesses and surgeries during my sabbatical. There were hard times and struggles that people had. There were wonderful times that people had. There was all kinds of stuff that went on without me. And it was okay, you know? Like as much as I want to be part of those things because I love you guys, you know, and I want to be a part of like the, these events going on in our lives, it was also really humbling and relieving to me that I could be away and God's got it covered. Like I could take the rest that he calls me to take and God's gonna provide while I'm gone. And this is cool. The way that he covered things, the way that he provided for things is through you guys. It's through us. Like, this is the beautiful thing of the church, is it's not all dependent on one person, right? Like, this church, you should know this, this church is not built on me, or Jeff Bogue is the senior pastor of all of Grace Church. This church is built on Jesus, Right? Like, he is the cornerstone. He's the foundation. We're built on him. And all of us are like, we have a part to play as we love him and as we serve him and as we function. And he gives us roles. And so the purpose of staff, and, and this was just it was just a great reminder for me to see the church work the way that God wanted. The, the, the role of the pastor and the staff isn't to do like all the work of the ministry. you know? Well, we pay you so we can sit and you do all the work. That's not how it works. That's not how we work. That's not how it's designed to work. If you read Ephesians 4, flip that next uh, slide there. This is, this is how God describes like the role of the leaders of the church. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. That's the leaders. When you read all those five names, those are the leaders of the church. God gave the leaders of the church to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ might be built up, right? Like my role, our role as staff is to give ministry away to you guys as you're gifted, as you're called by God so that we share this load together. And so as I'm gone, I'm like, you know, a little nervous at how everything's gonna work. I come back, I'm like, it worked the way it's supposed to work. Like you guys are doing what God has called you to do. And so here's, as I think about all that, like, good to know it doesn't all depend on me here's how I challenge you like I know I know what my role is here right I'm a pastor I know what my role is do you know what your role is like do you know what your part is as part of the Grace Church Barberton campus family because we all have a part to play and actually your part is very much needed there's no you know one of our oh, we took our values now one of our values here is is there's no extra parts we got no spare parts right Every part is needed. Every part is valuable. Do you know what your part is? It's right? a good reminder to me. It doesn't all depend on me. So I really enjoyed my, um, my first week off. It was really nice. And I said, we went down to North Carolina, spent some time with some friends down there, drove down to Florida. It was good. Second week, we spent some of that down in Florida as well. Um, that was nice. We came back like partway through the second week. And by the end of the third week, it was really good. I got done everything that I was hoping to get done. Like all those little projects around the house were done. And so we get to the fourth week. I get to the last week of my sabbatical and I'm kind of like, <laughs> I'm like antsy, you know? And I'm, and, I'm, and I'm missing things. I'm like missing work. And so here's, here's the thing that I learned um, is the third thing, I guess, that I learned. Um, as good as rest is for us, work is good for us too. Work is good for us. Like, I'm gone, and I'm away, and it's really nice, and you feel recharged, refreshed, and I'm like, man, I miss it, you know? Like, I miss my friends. I wanna know what's going on in people's lives. I don't have email access. I don't have Facebook access. Like, I don't know what's happening. I wanna, like, create some things. I wanna accomplish some things. I wanna invest in people. I wanna be with people. I wanna work and be active. Like, work is good for us, right? So, do you know how we're first introduced to God in the Bible? Like, if you're familiar with your Bible, like, page one, Genesis 1-1, the very first chapter, the very first verse of the Bible, do you know what God is doing when we're introduced to him? I think it's interesting. Maybe we don't think of this. He's working, right? Throw throw Genesis 1-1 up there. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He's working. As we're first introduced to him, he's doing things. He's creating things, right? He's creating all of creation. In fact, all of Genesis chapter one, God is working. It's all about God doing work. Almost all of chapter two is about God doing work. There's a little part in there on the seventh day after he created everything, what does he do? rests, right? So there's, there's the rest part. But all the rest of the first two chapters are about God working. Do you know at the end of uh, verse 27 in chapter one, do you know what it says about as God creates us, God creates you and me, do you know what it says about how he created us? In his image, in his likeness. Throw that up on the screen. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So think about that. God is a working God. Like He, He works. He creates. He sustains. He's working all of the time. We can talk to Him anytime we want, and He's listening. Right? God is a working God, and He's made us in His image, and so He's made us to work as well. Like you and I were created to work. Do you ever think about that? Like sometimes we can, especially if you don't like your job, you're like, "Man, I don't know. I don't like to work. I wish I didn't have to work at all. I only work because I got to pay the bills." The reality is when you don't work, something gets out of whack. Like sometimes work is hard, sometimes it's frustrating, and we definitely need breaks from work. But we're made to work. We're made to create, to build, to sustain, to be active. And if we don't work, it's actually bad for us. Just like no rest is bad for us, no work is bad for us as well because we're designed to be actively involved in God's creation serving him in whatever way that he's wired us to serve him, in whatever way that he's called us to serve him. And so as I'm like away and toward the end, I'm like getting antsy. I'm like, I want to go back to work, you know? Like I want to go back and I want to do things. Work is good for me. And I needed to be reminded of that. So, so as you think about that, how about you? You know, if, we're, if rest is good, work is also really good for us. Here's a question. Like what kind of work has God called you to do to impact the world, to impact the kingdom? And sometimes, again, when we think of work, we just think of our jobs. We just think of things that we're getting paid for. Because many times the work that God calls us to do, we don't get a salary for, right? Like it's not just our job. It's something else. It's an impact that he wants to make. And so what kind of work is God calling you to do as well? So so I started out being... Um, you know, like I said, nervous, really, to be away, kind of anxious, and, you know, it, like, I, I'm at church and think about church, like, more than most people, you know, like, I'm, I'm the pastor, so I'm always thinking about this sort of stuff, it's always, it's always on my mind, well, coming back, like, when we were coming back from Florida, so we we're coming back on a Saturday night, and so we, this was the second weekend that, that we were gone, And so it's Saturday night, and um, we're at the condo down there, and we're packing everything up, getting getting everything cleaned up and ready to go, you know, and uh, just busy thinking about the the ride home, checking the weather, making sure everything's going to be okay. And so it's about 7 o'clock, and I realize, I'm like, it's Saturday night. Service already happened up north. There's still things going on up north. And I was like, service is happening tomorrow as well. And it was like all of a sudden, it shocked me. Because all of a sudden, I was like, I completely forgot what was going on, right? So quickly, I was disconnected. Now, I was forced to be disconnected, right? Like, I was a purpose of sabbatical. But so quickly, I went from being a part of everything, like, even being worried that I was going to be gone, to going, man, I hope the trip back up to Ohio is okay. I wonder what we're going to do when we get back. You know, I want to go see this movie. I want... And it happened just like this. And so I wrote it this way. I said, being separated from our church family happens quickly. Being separated from our church family, man, it it happens just like that many times before we even realize it. And if you're newer to to church and to Jesus and, you know, what the Bible says, maybe you're thinking, well, I don't know, like how, like I've functioned this long without church, you know, like how important is church anyway, is it like that big of a deal? Well, I was already you. like in God's economy, in God's view of things, this, like what's going on here, not just in this building, but as we go out through the week, the church is really, really important to him, right? And so there's a passage in 1 Timothy uh, chapter three that talked. in fact, throw that up on the screen. It talks about how the church is the pillar and the foundation of truth. That's what God calls it the pillar and the foundation of truth. And so the church is like God's structure. It's God's system for bringing truth out into the world. One of the last things that Jesus said before he ascended up into heaven, so he's got like the early, the the very, very beginning of the church, his disciples around him. So this is after he died and resurrected and he's about to go up to heaven. And so this is one of the last things that he says. He's got his early church around him. And you know what he tells them? Essentially, you know what he tells them? build the church, right? This is in Matthew chapter 28. He says therefore, as he's talking to his church, he says therefore go and make disciples of all nations. That that essentially what that means is help people become part of my family. Help people become part of the church, right? Like in God's economy, church is really, really important. It's not just like any other organization. It's not just like something else vying for time on our schedules. It's actually God's plan for the world. Like this, you and me being in deep, meaningful, growing, learning relationships with each other and with the Lord, helping each other live out the mission that he's called us to, this is like this is the church and this is what God says man this is really really important and it is scary when we go when the pastor can go man two weeks out and you're like I completely forgot everything going on like how easy is it to go I filled up my time I missed I got something else going on the next week I fill up that time slot with something else right so it was a good challenge for me to think, like, how do we, so in church world, um, it's easy, like summertime is uh, notoriously the time when attendance goes, Boo, and it dips down. So the spring is like the busiest time in church world, summer, and, and we get that, like we're on vacation, like stuff happens, there's weddings, there's things like that. Like I, under, I was gone for a while, I understand all that. But here's how I challenge you. Like as we're in the thick of summer right now, what maybe are some things that you could do to not, or ways that you could organize your schedule to not lose connection with your family, right? It's family, to not lose connection. And maybe even to take it a step further, as we're in you know, a little bit slower pace generally in summertime, what are some ways maybe you could make best use of that time to actually deepen your connection with the rest of your church family? It's good for us to wrestle with. It was good for me to wrestle with. So I try to stay up on, um, on current events, like things going on in the world. Um, so the, the way I do it, and you may do it differently, you know, of course, there's, you used to just read a newspaper, and like, yeah, you don't read newspapers anymore. But you go to websites, so I, I always go to uh, CNN, and Fox News, like those are the two websites I go to because they're like polar opposites. Like if you're not thinking about like news, they they hate each other and they're polar opposites. They always have articles about how bad the other one is too. But so one is sort of the the liberal, one is sort of the the ultra conservative. And so I just like to read and see like, what does the world think about things? Like outside of the church world, what does the, the world think? And so one of the big stories while I was gone, that just, it really caused me to pause and reflect was about a guy named Chris Hardwig. Maybe some of you guys have heard of him, Chris Hartwick, excuse me, and uh, and Chloe Dykstra. And so Chris Hartwick, um, if you don't know, he's an actor, he's a comedian. He started a website called The Nerdist. He's hosted a bunch of different shows over the years. Um, at that time, he was hosting two shows on two different networks, AMC Network and uh, NBC. And so um, sometime at the beginning of my sabbatical, the uh, story broke that, Chloe Dykstra, who was his girlfriend four years ago, they've been broken up for four years, in fact he's married now, and I think he's got a kid on the way, Um, but four years ago they were dating, and uh, uh, during, you know, the sabbatical, she wrote on some website, she posted on some website that um, during their time of dating, he had uh, physically, physically and sex, I'm sorry, sexually and emotionally abused her during that time, so she kind of broke the story I guess. And so um, he denies everything. He flatly denies it and said, no, 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 Um, she's lying, this didn't happen. Um, She's saying, no, 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 all of this absolutely happened. Well, what was interesting, so that's sad, obviously. Um, What was interesting was that as soon as she made these allegations, um, both of those networks, AMC and NBC, um, immediately cut ties with him, right? Like they essentially fired him. They said he's no longer connected with this network. And so no lawsuit, no trial. You have one woman posting something on a website that may or may not be true. I don't know. She says, absolutely this happened. He says, no way this happened. Whatever, whatever the truth is, it's interesting. His career is likely done, right? At least for the foreseeable future. And you think about that and you're like, well, probably if he did it, justifiably right like that is an awful rotten way to treat a human being to treat a woman if he didn't do it you're like wow that is an incredible injustice right like no trial just somebody says something and all of a sudden they're gone and so i think about that of course we have no idea what the truth is i don't know if he's telling the truth or she's telling the truth but what it made me think of was this i wrote it this way being at peace with others is the better way being at peace with others is the better way. Like whatever the truth is between these two people, clearly they were not at peace with each other. Right? Like obviously they had this deep unresolved conflict that, was, that had taken root and now it's like causing this terrible pain and bitterness. And so you think about that and you're like, well, you know, none of us, I don't think, are in the public eye, like both of them are in the public eye. But unresolved conflict can be just as destructive for us right? And, and I can't control how anyone else deals with conflict. Like if I'm in conflict with somebody, you know, I can't control how that person responds to the conflict, right? But I can control how I respond to the conflict. It reminded me of a passage. There's a verse um, in the book of Romans, Romans chapter 12. So a guy named Paul writes the book of Romans. And so God is speaking through Paul. Paul's writing to the Romans and to us. And this is what he says. Uh, listen to this. He says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. And, and I love that because you go, if it's possible, it's not always possible, right? But if it's possible, as far as it depends on you, it doesn't just depend on you, it depends on the other person too. But as far as it depends on you, if it's possible, live at peace with everyone. Don't let conflict fester. Don't let it take root and boil up and compound and compound and get worse and worse. You know, you think about uh, Chris Hardwick and, and Chloe Dykstra, and you're like, they, if they would have taken that to heart, I don't know if they know that verse or not. If they would have taken that to heart, this situation would be very, very different, right? And it's the same thing with us. Maybe as you're sitting here this morning, as I read that and I talk about conflict, maybe there's someone in your life that like, immediately comes to mind. I feel like I have to take uh, regular and consistent inventory of my life that way. You know, because people are people. Like there's, there's issues. We have conflict. We have disagreements. Sometimes we malfunction and we say something we shouldn't, whatever it is. I have to take regular inventory and go, am I at conflict with anybody? Like, Is there anybody that maybe I'm holding something against or that's holding something against me that I just need to go talk to then I need to, maybe it's just listening to them. Maybe it's explaining ourself to them, right? Maybe it's just going and being with them, giving them a hug. But is there anybody in your life where you're like, man, if it's possible, as far as it's up to me, I gotta do something to live at peace with that person. That was a good thing for me to think through as I was away. And, And then, you know, like thinking of, the next thing, thinking of like, the world and what's going on, and you know, you, you probably watch the news or, or read websites like I do. The one, maybe the most obvious thing that, that you take away um, is in our, like what's going on in our country is like how divided we are. Our country right now is incre- incredibly, I'm 42 years old. I don't think that I've ever seen a time, certainly not that I remember that our country has been more divided, right? And so, I, you know, I read these websites on CNN, you know, CNN's, again, the, the liberal one. And so they hate Trump, you know, and so President Trump. And so every time the front, the, the top story on CNN is something that Trump did is so bad. And then on, you know, so you have people that are like disgusted by him. And then you have people on the other side that love him and love everything that he's done, right? You, I'm reading about this, um, you know, the immigration stuff has taken front page for, for much of the last month. And so you read about, and it's a complex topic, you know? And so you have people that are here illegally, like they're breaking the law, maybe for good reason, maybe not for good reason, but they're here legally. And then the government is sp- taking, like ripping their children away from them. And you're like, I don't think that's the answer. You know, like what, what is going on here? And you have people argue, and you have the first lady wearing a jacket that says, I really don't care, do you, on her way to see detained immigrant children. And you're like, what's that about? Like, is she trying to make a statement? Like, is she trying to to say something? Or was it just a foolish, not well thought out choice of clothing, you know? Like, what's going on there? You read further and you like to see injustices all over the place, human trafficking, the, the drug epidemic, violence. I think in, we in, uh, just caught a little headline of a story. I think in Akron over the weekend or the last few days, there was like eight shootings. Two people died. I mean, it's just crazy, crazy stuff. And you're like, there's injustices all around. And here's what happens. Here's what happens. Most of the time, most people, we just kind of distract ourselves, if we're honest. From ever really deeply thinking about something about this stuff or doing anything about it especially if it doesn't directly affect us right like we just kind of we go oh that's terrible but we like to talk about it did i say talk i mean argue and complain about it right like we see these things and we're like I'm not really thinking deeply about them. I'm really just kind of, I'm not going to do anything. But man, I can't believe how stupid this person is or how bad our government officials are. And the reality is arguing and complaining about stuff does not generally bring about much positive results, right? And yet we see it all over the place. This is what, this is, this is what I'm thinking. This is what I'm wrestling with during my time off. But you, see it all, you see it in our politicians, our government leaders, Right? You see it with each other in our conversations with each other, maybe our social media conversations with each other. But few of us ever really do much to solve the problem. It's much easier to just get frustrated and complain about how bad our government leaders are or how stupid people are than to actually do something to help to solve the problem. Like what happened to civility? You ever feel this way? Like, what happened to civil discourse, you know? Like, what about each of us at the individual level actually doing something to try to be part of the solution with the injustices, with the racism, with all of the the drug epidemic that we see? Like, I may not be able to change legislation, but man, I could be kind to somebody I know who's struggling with addiction, right? And support them and help them. Reminded me of two, two verses in the Bible um, the first one is from the book of James. Throw that up on the screen. Ima- imagine, oh, I'm sorry, this, this is my point. I forgot to, <laughs> I forgot to say this. Most people want to argue and complain. Few actually want to work for change. That kind of rhymes. I didn't mean it to. Maybe we'll remember it better that way. I don't know. But, few, but it's the reality, right? Few people want to, like most people want to argue and complain. Few really want to do something to change things, right? And so It reminded me of, of two verses. Here's the first one. It's in James chapter 1. Imagine if, if this was the way that we had our conversations with people. He says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Quick to listen. Not, not just hear, not just wait for my turn to speak, but listen to people. Right? Quick to listen, slow, slow to speak, not, not like, you know, jumping online never read the comments like the user comments after stories online they're the most depressing like you just want to punch people in the face like why do you think you can say that because you're on a computer screen but like what about thinking before we talk what about thinking before we type something right and then slow to become angry what if we're civil with each other can you imagine how that would change the conversations the rhetoric that goes around in our country and it can happen with us at the individual level, right? How about this? This is one of my favorite passages. This is Micah 6.8. So if you've ever wanted to know, like, what does God want us to do? Like, What does you know, God require of us? Here's a big part of it, ready? He, God, has shown you, immortal, what is good and what does the Lord require of you? Here it is. To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. To, to act justly, to love mercy or be merciful. There's an action part of that. And to walk humbly in relationship with God. All of those things are action-oriented, right? That's very different from just complaining and arguing about how bad this world is. It's different than that. It's saying, at my in, like as, as far as it's up to me, as, as far as what's in my power, I want to do the right thing. I want to act justly i want to pursue mercy with people i want to be i want the defining characteristic in my life to be humility not arrogance not i know i got it all figured out i know everything imagine how different our world would be like just us if just us did that can you imagine how different so all that leads to kind of kind of the last thing really really one and a half more things with um I, I think of all this stuff, and here's, here's kind of my concluding thought. Uh, our world needs more Jesus. Our world needs more Jesus. And, and you may hear that and go, yeah, okay, we're in church yet. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, I, I was expecting the pastor to say that. But, but, but let me be clear here. So, like, so Jesus came really for, for two reasons for us, like two big categorical reasons for us. The, the, the one is like um, the one day. It's for eternity, Like Jesus came to live, to die, like we have a sin problem. Jesus came to take our sin problem, to pay for it himself so that we could be forgiven, we could be holy and righteous, to be worthy with God for eternity, right? So there's this future component, salvation. Jesus came for our salvation. If we want it, we have to accept it, right? That's one reason Jesus came. It's actually not what I had in mind when I thought about this. What I had in mind is the other reason Jesus came. The other reason Jesus came is to change us now, right? To make an impact on our lives now, to change my rotten attitude, to help me see what's right and what's wrong, to rewire my heart so I can love people and be compassionate with people, to rewire my brain and my thinking. Like, that's why Jesus came. And so, like, like, when I was thinking the world needs more Jesus, Jesus, that's what I think because I look at our world and I'm like, the world's confused, right? Like, we don't know. We don't know what's, what's right. and what, We think, you know, left is right and up is down and we think wrong is right and we think untruth is truth and I don't know how that gets changed other than Jesus. Like, that's like what Jesus does for us. He changes us. So God has made every single one of us with like a, uh, uh, some inherent morality, Like we all kind of know what right and wrong is kind of within our heart, right? But the reality is our heart can deceive us and sometimes we can be misguided and sometimes we could be misled. But what Jesus does is he shows us what's right and wrong. He lived that way. He tells us what's right and wrong in here and he changes us so the things that we desire, uh, he changes us so that we stop desiring the things that are wrong And we start desiring more the things that are right. And then he gives us the strength to consistently choose that. And those things come through relationship. So like evangelicals are really big on relationship with God, right? Like it's not just about I trust Jesus and I go about my life and I'm going to be saved one day. I also like have a relationship with the living God. This is all about relationship. When I know him, he changes me. Right? Like he works from the inside out on me. And many of you I know have experienced that. Like as I look at your faces, I'm like you you have been changed and you're being changed by Jesus, by his spirit working inside of you. And I and on my time off, I had plenty of time to sit and remember like what my life was like, like what what I valued, what I thought was important, what my attitude was like. And he changed me. He changed me. I was lost. I was misguided. I was confused. And yet I was also arrogant and prideful. That's a terrible combination. I was confused, but I thought I knew everything, right? And that's what he does is he changes us. He takes broken, misguided, confused people like you and me. And he goes, no, 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 this is right. This is wrong. Stay away from this. This is what's right. Live this way. Follow these things. God changes us and he's still changing us. I think the only way that our world is going to change, the only way that it's going to get better is through Jesus, in any lasting and meaningful way at least. He's the hope of the world. Like there is so much untruth in the world. Our job is very simple. Our job is to lovingly share truth with people. Like that's the mission that Jesus uh, left us on to lovingly share truth. And sometimes people want to hear it. Like sometimes they're ready, you know, and they're like, man, I've been, I've been looking for truth. What you tell me is right. Yes, I want Jesus. Yes, I want to accept him, trust him, I'll let him into my life. Many times people go, I'm not interested. I don't care. First 20 years of my life, that's who I was. I didn't care. I wasn't really interested. And that's okay. Like that's part of the freedom that God gives us. God made us with the freedom to choose him or not choose him. And it took me a while to choose him. And so we have to be patient, right? But our job is to lovingly share with people about the God that loves them so much that he died on the cross for them so that they could be forgiven. That's that's our privilege. That's our responsibility. So these are all things that I'm thinking about, you know, while I was gone. And, and kind of the last thing that I want to say, I'll end with this. It really struck me. So, while I was gone on sabbatical, leading up to sabbatical before I was gone, and since I've been back, um, I was just struck by how much I love you guys, like how much I love my church family. I missed you guys. Uh, and I'm, I'm sorry, some, we, we had a few people say, man, wait, we were like worried about you. They thought, you know, you were left or something like that, or you had a breakdown, you were in the psych, I don't know, whatever, right? Uh, I was okay, I was good. Um... But it was just a great reminder for me of how much I love you guys. Um, I want to be clear, sometimes that's hard. Like some of those statistics that I read earlier, like I get it. I, I, I get it. Sometimes being a, a pastor is hard and it's discouraging and it's um, painful because um, we're people, right? Like we're people with messy lives I, I like to think of the, of the church as a beautiful mess. <laughs> like, it's beautiful, but it's also really messy because we're people and we have struggles. And so as somebody that loves you, it hurts when um, sometimes people are making decisions that hurt themselves, you know? I, I, I feel that. It's like, it, not to say I'm your parent, but it's like it's a parent with a children or their, sp- or their spouse or somebody, and you're like, when they're doing something that hurts them, it hurts you, Right? Or they're doing something to hurt somebody else. It hurts you. Or maybe they're putting something else in the place of God in their lives. Like, I feel that. You know, there's pain that's involved with that. It hurts because I love you and I want the best for you. Sometimes, as human beings, we don't want the best for ourselves. And so that's hard. But I want to be clear. Like, as I've had time off, time to reflect and kind of be recharged, I, wa- I want you to know what a privilege it is for me to be able to, that, that the Lord has entrusted me to be able to be the pastor here. And um, I don't, I'm not, certainly not perfect with all of it. And many times I feel um, unworthy and inadequate for it. Um, but I feel like the Lord keeps reminding me that He, he knows what He's doing. <laughs> Trust Him, He knows what He's doing. And so I pray for faith, I pray for strength. I pray for humility to uh, continue to love and serve you and care for you the way that God has called me to. So um, I guess I just wanted to to end by thanking you guys for the privilege of being able to be somebody in your life, somebody that you allow to have a voice in your life. And I love you guys very much. I feel like I want to cry or something. I'm not going to do that. I'll change the subject instead. Pull, pull, pull out your program, if you, if you would. I'm going to just tell you about a couple quick things before we sing the last song. Um, so the first one is about that series that we're going to start next week, so it's called Happy. Um, so, so we called it Happy because, so it's on the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes are the ones that say, blessed are the dot, 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 right? Poor in spirit, the you know, da, da, da. And the that, that word that's translated as blessed in many of our Bibles is also, could also be translated as happy, Kind of that same happy, satisfied connotation. and So um, maybe if you've ever thought, you know, I'm struggling with happiness. I just want to be happy. You know, what's the key to being happy? Maybe this series will be a good series for you. So if you're interested in kind of reading ahead and preparing for next week, I really encourage you to do that. So it's the beginning of Matthew chapter 5 of the Beatitudes. There's eight of them there. I think we're going to spend nine weeks on it. So I'm excited to start that next week. Um, Two camps coming up that we're real excited about as well. First one is Bible Camp. So that's uh, coming up here in just a couple weeks. Ah, it's crazy. I love Bible Camp. I don't get to work with kids all that often, so uh, it's super fun for me. When we do Bible Camp around here, it's sort of all hands on deck, all the staff's involved, and we have so many of you that are involved as well. So it's coming up July 24th to 28th. Um, Registration is open for that. if If you have a uh, student in that age range up to fifth grade, I think through completed fifth grade, um, or maybe you have a neighbor or somebody a family member that you um, that 's not connected anywhere it would be a great thing to invite them to It is a blast it 's really fun. So that's coming up. And then we have something else called summer camp coming up for our middle school students um, out of Camp Carl. So that's the very end of July into the first week of August. Um, Registration is almost full for that. So this is one of those things that we do with all of our campuses. We kind of pull resources and do it together. So we're almost full with that. So if you have a middle schooler that wants to be a part of it, you should sign them up quickly. By the way, um, I can't remember if I said that in this service already or not. Last, the last two days, so Friday night, all day saturday we had a really really cool time um here josiah rios and his wife grace and um, a bunch of other volunteers let had a lock-in for our middle school and high school students here and uh, it was a blast they had such a good time so proud of of what josiah is leading there and um, there's over 20 kids that were part of it too Uh, i don't know how he's awake right now but i'm super impressed but anyway um it was a really cool time for them to to really Plant seeds, you know, plant the seeds of the gospel and water those. And so, as you're praying, I, mean, I really encourage you if you if you think about these students, pray for them and ask that God would just grab a hold of their hearts. So, um, last thing I want to tell you about before I step down, I want to pray is um, some service opportunities coming up. So we always need volunteers around here. So as I talk about like what's your part to play, um, maybe it's one of these things. We could really use some folks um, in our uh, creative arts ministry. So. Creative arts is like these guys at the the back booth back here. So it's audio visual lighting. So maybe if you um, have some tech savvy and you kind of like behind the scenes stuff, we could really use some help that way. Um, And then also the band is part of the creative arts ministry. So maybe you're gifted that way too. Uh, We'd love to help you get involved. Also our power kids and our student ministries are two other big ministries. So for the younger kids and then for the students as well, we're always looking for leaders with that. So maybe if you have an interest that way, we'd love to get you involved with that and lots of other stuff too if you're if those don't pique your interest okay